Hey, I'm Tiffany. Hey, I'm Tasha. And you're listening to The, the she Boss Series, a new series navigating women at every level through the unspoken rules of business. The she Boss Series is designed to discuss the scenarios that HR doesn't speak about and men don't understand. We're bringing honest conversations and solutions from successful women. Whether you're in corporate, a creative, or an entrepreneur, everyone needs to know how to pitch and position themselves. Not every pitch is an elevator pitch, but every pitch is an important impression. In this episode, our SheBoss panelists are bringing the knowledge to help you advocate for yourself and win some allies while doing it. Today's show features Nali Saavedra, co-founder and CMO of Driven Society, Tiffany Vasquez, content manager of film at Giphy, Amy Holtzman, VP of marketing at Splash, Daniqua Williams, creator of Lit Brooklyn, and moderated by Bianca Genti, co-founder of Mim Connect. Take notes and enjoy. My name is Bianca Genti. I am the CMO and co-founder of Minorities and Media Connect. I'm just kidding. So we're actually a networking platform um, connecting professionals of color in the media industry. We're culturally attuned, professionally savvy, and we work with prof- we work with progressive thinking companies. Um, so today we have some boss women today. Hey, wait, time out. What's the hashtag for tonight? Okay, just making sure. Make sure you hashtag it. Um, so today we have a lot of amazing, amazing women. I had an opportunity to talk with them just prior to us getting here and hearing all their stories and just where they're at in their careers has been absolutely amazing. So take notes. Get the notes on your phone somewhere, somehow. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. But for our first question, we are going to ask for today. As Tiffany and Tasha mentioned, sometimes as women, we don't necessarily advocate for ourselves or speak what we're doing. And we kind of just like, you know, we're trying to be humble, but nice for what? You know what I'm saying? So at this point in time, at this point in time, I'm going to allow you guys to introduce yourselves very lightly and share what is your win for this week. We do Flex Friday over at Mim Connect every Friday. So we're going to do a quick flex over on a Tuesday. Share what is your win for this week um, and who you are and just give us a little bit of tip, a little bit of background. So I'll start over on the left hand side. Okay. Hi, I'm Tiffany Vasquez and I am content manager at Giphy in charge of all film related content. Um, I've been working there three and a half years, so pretty early when the company started and it's been, um, I've seen crazy growth at the company. I've been able to witness us growing from when I started, we were 13 people and now we're at a bit of over a hundred. We have two offices now. We have a full studio in LA bringing in a high, um, like a talent and shooting custom gift packages like it's crazy that where we've come from um so i'm pretty much working with a lot of studios and a lot of anything film related to make sure that anything that you want to find whether it's um black panther gifts or avengers infinity war or if it's like eve's bayou or if it's love and basketball or like just any movie just making sure that it's searchable making sure that everyone feels represented in terms of film searching on giphy and that we have that really 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 well covered um i uh, um, it's early in the week, so I'm not really sure what my win is yet, but <laughs> honestly, at this point, just like so much of this in advocating for yourself is peace of mind. And I feel like even just getting that right now is a win. So that's, that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> 
Hi everyone, I'm Amy Holtzman. I am Vice President of Marketing at Splash. Um, fun fact, the Twitter handle is at Splash That. So I will see it if you use at Splash That, not at Splash. Um, but uh, I um, have been a marketer for uh, over 15 years. My specialty is, I say, is marketing, marketing to marketers. I've always um, been in a business that I market a marketing technology or marketing product to other marketers, which um, if you have the joy of marketing your own services to people like you, you know that they're relentless um, in what they expect from you. Um, I, uh, I grew up in a really small town in Florida, um, and I moved to New York because um, it was always my dream uh, almost 15 years ago. Ugh, wait a little less than 15 years ago. Um, and uh, and I had to advocate for myself the entire time to really make it. And uh, and uh, I don't know. I don't know if you ever really make it, but I feel like uh, my career's advanced um, beyond my wildest expectations, which has been really rewarding for me. And um, my win of the week, I it's Tuesday. I don't know if I have a win of the week yet. I have a huge presentation to my all-male executive team on Thursday, so I'm gonna call it a win now. Um, <laughs> um, we'll see, right? <laughs> hey guys, how are you? Ooh, I'm loving the energy in this room. So my name is Daniqua. I am the owner, the founder of what I like to call everyone's favorite candles, Lit Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm born and raised in Brooklyn, real, real Brooklyn, not new Brooklyn, old Brooklyn. love this audience. I love this audience. Um, I've been in business for, this is my second year. No, I just ended my second year. Um, and it has been an amazing two years. I've been able to work with people that I've dreamed about working with. I've just a list of people that I've worked with. I've worked, I've partnered with Budweiser. I've partnered with Verizon, Samsung, um, Curlbox, essence and I don't know I'm just happy to be here and I'm happy to like share the wealth because like Tiffany I think said earlier that we don't learn unless we can't you know we can't learn or we can't grow if we don't share so um any questions you guys have when we get to the end please do not be afraid to, to ask there's no stupid question um my win for the week is that I solidified two new clients <laughs> I'm happy about that Hey everyone, how's everyone doing tonight? Woo, this is really good energy, wow. Uh, my name is Natalia Saavedra and I'm the CMO co-founder of Driven Society. We are, we like to call ourselves a community-based creative agency. We create campaigns and events that deeply inspire multicultural millennials. Um, I was born in Colombia, so I'm always repping that hard. And we do everything from a, what a, a creative agency does. So we'll do marketing, we'll do event production. Um, and then on the community side of things, we've really just taken our time to grow our audience. Um, we we have a lot of events that are, are on topics such as entrepreneurship, um, and it's all to basically just continue growing that multicultural community that we have. Now, my win for the week. Yeah, I'm always like staying quiet on Flex Fridays on Moon Connect, and I'm always like, 
Uh, okay, so my win of the week, I will say my win of the week is, well, okay, so we finished a campaign with a client. It was a network, it was a newsletter campaign and we were able to finish that today. So I'm super excited about that. <laughs> Okay, guys, so we're going to get into some questions. Um, all of us, uh, well, we have some of our male counterparts in here. Shout out to you guys. Um, but obviously, this is She Boss NYC. Um, one of the things that we want to talk about is what's been the hardest opportunity that you've had to fight for being either a professional, as either an entrepreneur? Just a quick show of hands. Who's an entrepreneur? Raise your hand in here. Okay, boss life. And who is a professional, freelancer, anyone? Okay, boss life. Listen, everyone's a boss in their own regard, right? So I want anyone that would like to kind of jump in and share that their responses. What's been the hardest opportunity you've had to fend for yourself for? Okay, uh, I um, recently, I had a great opportunity in the, for the last two years, and it was being um, a host on Turner Classic Movies. And, <laughs> excuse me, I was able to, I, I love film. I love classic film. I was hired as, um, the first woman and person of color host on the network. And it was a huge challenge because no one there really knew what to do with me. And, um, and, and I love them. That's, it's, it's a great network, but it was definitely something I had to constantly advocate myself for why I belonged there. I was young. I didn't, so many people thought I just didn't know anything. Um, I had to constantly prove my worth and I'd never experienced anything like that before. So yeah, it was two years of, of, of a fight, but you know, it grows you in a way that you never can imagine. I never would have thought that. And, and it's worth it just seeing the excitement in my grandmother's face when like watching me on TV or like telling everybody and, and my grandfather, <laughs> my grandfather DVRing it, but also sitting in front of the TV and recording it on his camcorder, like bootlegging me. <laughs> On cable, my grandpa. <laughs> so I mean, but it, it was a fight. It was something I had to advocate um, the network for, other fans for who didn't believe in me. Um, there were a lot of fans who did. Uh, myself, because it just gets in your head. I had to look at myself and be like, no, you deserve to be here. So um, it was definitely a fight, but absolutely worth it in the end. What I used to struggle with is. Um not really knowing if I fit in the marketing world. Um, so it was really about having that internal conflict with myself and re really believing that I had something to offer and really I had something to uh, give. And as soon as I was able to have that honest conversation with myself, um, I felt like advocating for whatever it was that I was pitching or whatever it was that I came to the room to discuss just came so much more easier. I'll give you one. Um, so, I, I mean, I feel like I've been advocating for myself my entire life, and I feel like um, I'm my own toughest critic, and if I say I'm going to do something, then I hold myself to it, and, and usually it's no one else holding me to it. It's usually just myself. Um, but uh, when I first actually, so I when I moved to New York from Florida, um, I worked at a great company for four years, and I was lured away for an opportunity on the West Coast in San Francisco, and it was uh, probably the biggest mistake of my life and career. I moved to San Francisco 
Costco and it was like a total sham of a company. I shouldn't have been there. It was like, it was awful, right? And I moved my entire life for it and I had to leave immediately. Um, and so I worked there for four weeks. At two weeks, I realized I just could not be there. Um, and I reached out to every single person I had ever met on the West Coast. And even if I didn't met that, meet them, but I was like semi-connected to them, I reached out and I was like, I'll do anything. I have to get out of this position. I would rather work in marketing, but I'll literally do anything. I can't stay at this company. Um, and I uh, spent... The next few weeks, actually, so I started interviewing at two weeks. Um, at four weeks, I left. So for the next two weeks, um, my boss at my new company was terrible, and I had to interview only in the morning and only at night. And I was never allowed to leave my desk between the hours of like 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. or something ridiculous. And I managed, yeah, it was terrible. Um, but I managed to get um, two different job offers in less than four weeks, and and left in four weeks. And it it was really like, I mean. It, it was really a testament to my network, and I think just also really hustling and making sure you're maintaining an amazing network. Um, I knew uh, I knew I had the skills to be there and to do something great, but I like definitely had a really tough reality that I was facing. Of I made a huge mistake and moved up across the country for something that wasn't a sure win, and um, and that was that was definitely the toughest thing that I did. I turned it turned out to be an amazing situation. I got I took a job at CBS Interactive, and it was like a better job than I'd ever imagined I would get. Um, and I think in those moments you really find out um, what you're made of and what you're capable of. Um, but I, I think it was so important for me to realize. And I, I think it's important for everybody else to realize it's okay if you have those mistakes in your career, right? But it's it's really important that you hustle and use your network and and um, uh, you know recuperate as quickly as possible and, and get back on with it, right? Um, so the next question, more of a true or false question, right? All professionals, great titles, uh, great companies. True or false? Does having a brand or title make it easier to monetize your worth? Ooh, y'all like that question. Okay. <laughs> I, I think it's true. Um, and I hate to admit it out loud, but it is true. I think the first thing that you get asked once you introduce yourself is what do you do? You know, so we kind of feel the pressure to be like, oh, I worked for this person or I know this person or I did this. Um, so the, your answer is true. It does make it, it does make it easier. Like if you can say what you've done and what your rap sheet looks like and what you've, who you're associated with, it does make it easier for people to believe you more, which it sucks, but it's, I don't know. I think that's the truth of the reality. Someone used to slide in your DMs right now. It was like, Hey, um, if you had a product, can you send me a hundred products? I'm trying to do something, blah, 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 blah. Swipe away, not even respond. Beyonce slides in your comments. You're going to be like, <laughs> exactly. So I think having a brand definitely does <laughs> make the difference. Uh, I agree. We, I mean, we're all multifaceted. We have a lot of different talents, but at the end of the day, people still like to compartmentalize and they like to define you by one certain thing. And it's not fair, but that's just sort of how it is. So um, being known for that and at least, because then the other stuff can come. If, if that's the one thing that you need to be known for that will get you into the door, then you can lead with the other stuff too. And then like the other things that you want to do can definitely come to fruition but unfortunately yeah, yeah. You, you've got to have like a brand and I hate saying that but you've got to have like a brand mm -hmm. at this point 
Okay, so we had went through professionals, entrepreneurs, freelancers in here. We did our check-ins. Um, so one of the questions I have is, what's the one thing that we as women get wrong when trying to pitch ourselves when going for a promotion? This is specifically for Amy and <laughs> Tiffany. So, so um, I think uh, I think it's two things. Um, we undersell um, our experience and we, we tend to think it's not as good as it actually is. Um, I see that all the time. Um, and then the second one is we don't know our worth, um, that we don't ask for the money that we deserve. Um, and and uh, I'll tell you a story that um, happened in last year, um, I, uh, I've been at Splash for a year. I hired a content marketer for my last company who was incredible, who was incredibly underpaid and undervalued um, at the last company. And I knew she was amazing. And I brought her over to Splash. Um, and when we started to discuss salary, she's like, oh, I think like I could just make this much. And it was like $5,000 more than she was making at the last company. And I was like, this position pays this amount of money. And I think that like, that's what we're going to pay you. And she was like, no, no, that's, that's, that's too much. You know, like, I, I don't know. And I was like, are you kidding me? Um, and I know it, I, but it have, I see it all the time where women will come into interviews or even just phone interviews and, um, I'll ask about their experience and they're, they'll underplay it. Like you see that they have some kind of amazing experience and you'll ask and they're like, yeah, you know, well, I only did that one time or like it was, I didn't get as many people as I wanted or whatever it is. They'll always undersell it. And even in the salary conversations, like, um, they, uh, they're afraid to ask for what they're worth. Right. My best recommendation there is, is look at Glassdoor, look at pay scale and find out how much that position pays and ask for that amount of money, regardless of what you're currently making. If you're there for that interview, you're there for a reason. Somebody thought that you had the experience that, that, like might be related to the position and they're paying a certain amount of money for the position and ask for it. Right. The worst they can say is like, we really like you, but that's a little higher than we were planning. Can we negotiate it? Um, but they're not going to let you walk out the door if you ask for a little bit too much money. And if you do ask for too little money, oftentimes they'll be like, great, we're getting you for a steal. And, and you don't want that either. To me, this question is directly involved with just representation in general. Um, I, I feel like a lot of women and especially women of color. And I'm, I'm speaking specifically for myself because it's not true for everybody. Obviously, um, we don't, we're not, we're not as bold and brash as some of the like white men in the room, because a lot of the white men are doing the jobs that we've never seen us do. And so for example, with like the hosting thing, there was no other woman doing it and there was no other Latina, especially doing it. And so I, I did not know. I also had no one to ask. I had no one like me to ask for advice. I had no one that was not someone who lived a completely different life than me to ask advice for. I had no sort of mentor in this position. So it's a lot of stuff like that that makes us a little bit more um, like meek in, in the asking for money, in the negotiating contracts. That was me. I... I thought, this is an amazing opportunity. I'm just going to take whatever they give me because I'm not thinking, oh, someone else is walking up in here with an agent. I didn't have an agent. I, you know, all of these things. And it's all just, that's just how the system was. It just led up to this point where other people who were hosts had family members who like directed classic films. Then there's me and I, nothing, no connections, no nothing. So you're starting from a completely different place than some of the other people who are doing this. And I mean, we've seen 
we've seen the studies, we've seen what black women get paid in comparison to white men. We've seen Latinas make half 50 cents on the dollar to white men. So it's all of this knowledge that puts you in the room and you think, it, it, it's those things that gets into your head and you think, oh, um, I, it's just too much for me to, for me to be this bold and ask this much. But again, it comes back to the self-advocacy where you have to, you have to be like, no one else is going to do it for you. So you got to do it for yourself. Like you got to be your own biggest fan and know what you deserve. And it's going to take a while to even get there mentally. And I, I completely echo that. I tell everybody that I talk to and that I mentor that no one else is going to advocate for you, right? Like you have to advocate for yourself. And sometimes you'll have an amazing boss or an amazing peer that if you're not in the room, they will advocate for you. But more times than not, no one else is going to advocate for you. And, and to be fair, like as a manager, I sometimes don't even know what my employees want if they don't ask for it, right? Like it, it, it puts me in a little bit of a guessing game of like, maybe they want to do this or maybe they don't, maybe they're really happy where they are, but they just like to make a little bit more money. And it, it puts you in a, as a manager in a guessing game, my best advice is like, you have to advocate for what you want. No one else is going to do it. Occasionally you'll find like that rare human that will help you, but no one else is going to do it. You can't count on anybody else. Wow. That was a bar. Um, so with that being said, going over to our entrepreneurs, what's the one thing that women get wrong when trying to pitch ourselves when going for partnerships? I think if they say yes right away, maybe you asked for too little. Um, and I think, you know, when you're trying to get a partnership, especially in our case, I would say, uh, me and my and the co and my co-founder and everyone that works at Driven Society, I would say we don't have that traditional background of we went to school for marketing and then we got to work at some of the best agencies that are around. And so when we're when we're going into these rooms asking for partnerships, a lot of times uh, the big question is as we are we asking for the right amount of money. Um, so it goes back to you know if those brands are saying yes right away, maybe you're. Asking asking for too little. And if they come back and counter at you, you can just keep countering back until you reach a number where you're both, where you both are comfortable. Um, I think, ask me the question one more time. Um, what do women, what's one thing that women get wrong when going for partnerships? I think forgetting your worth. Um, and not, I don't know. I think as women, and I could only speak for myself as a black woman, sometimes it's so difficult for us to like take compliments or to like, be like, yeah, I did that. Or like, you know, it's kind of like we're, we want to whisper our accomplishments and not really like stand in the boldness of it, like what we've done, as if it's some easy shit that, we've, that we just did, right? Um, I think knowing your worth is very important and just knowing that every partnership is not for you. You may admire a brand and they may not stand for what you what your brand represents. I'm very strategic with who I decide to partner with um, because just because you have... X amount of followers on Instagram, or just because you are this brand that's been around for 10, 15 years, you may not be speaking for me. You may not be speaking for my audience. And one thing that a lot of these brands want is the black audience, right? They want the, um, the brown audience, I should say, right? They don't know how to speak to us. So what they do is they reach out to these brands who have like great engagement with their followers or great engagement with their customers. And they want to like speak for their brand through us. And you can't be afraid to be like, this is my number and I'm not budging. Because when you walk into somewhere, if you go into Target, if you go into Crate and Barrel, 
there's not a negotiating on the price. <laughs> you can't be like, yo, that vase is 130, how much dollars? Nah, I got 100. You can't say that. So it's like saying what your price is and being firm in it and not budging and being, being okay walking away from it. I've walked away from situations that if I told you guys what I walked away from, you probably think I was so stupid, right? But to me, it's never about the dollar amount. Whenever you're starting a brand, I think it's very important for you to know that money should never be the reason why you're into it. If that's your first thing, your passion is gone, right? Because um, I'm two years into this. If I was worried about money, I wouldn't be sitting here, you know? Because when you first start a brand, the amount of money that you're shelling out yourself it's ridiculous. So never do it for the money and also remember your integrity and remember why you started. That's going to, that's going to be able to help you answer all the questions and know which partnership to move forward with and how to advocate for yourself, basically. Love that. Um, so going back over onto the, to the conversation that we're currently in, when it's time to show receipts and you know, we love receipts over here. Um, when it's time to show some receipts, how do you measure your value and your success? And how do you communicate that over as well? Do you have any examples we want to know? Yeah, I'm, well, I mean, I think for us, one, it's understanding your value, right? Understand what it is that you're offering to uh, your audience, understanding what you're offering to your clients. Um, so just going back to, I love numbers. I'm a numbers girl. Um, just understanding who our audiences are um, and back to the client side, make up a case study. Um, you know, if you, if you told a client that this is what you're going to get them for these, for this number, show them that you got them the numbers. To piggyback on that, um, I, I always try to prove myself, um, in metrics. Um, I relate almost everything myself and my team does to the bottom line of the business. So, um, I talk about our contribution to the business in terms of opportunities and pipeline and revenue. Um, and it's not easy to do. And I'm not like normal mathematically inclined, but the best way to prove your worth is to really like speak in terms that everyone understands, which is the bottom line of the business that you're representing or supporting or whatever it is. Um, and I was fortunate enough early in my career to have some, some good mentors that kind of helped me through it. Um, and now I always try to pass that on to other people, but I'd say the, the biggest thing you can do is like talk about your contribution in terms of business value. Cool. So going to back, back over to the Ben. Hey guys. So so when it comes to getting what you want, what do you see your male counterparts get away with that women should try? And let's call it out. We're here now. It's too late. I have a pet peeve, and I'll tell you it. And it's not all men, so I, I hate to stereotype like that because it's definitely not all men, but it's something that I, I see from the male gender more than I do from, from women. Um, and it's that they'll agree to something and commit to something with having zero intention of actually doing that thing. Um, and, and it is not at all all men. But it is, um, I'd say it's more of a male characteristic, um, but I definitely see it from women too. Um, and uh, I just, I don't operate that way, right? Like it kills me, but I'd rather say no to you and be realistic than, um, than say yes and have you waiting for something that's never going to happen. Um, and I see it all the time. And, uh, and yeah, again, not all men. I don't want to stereotype that way, but I see it more from men. In the tech world, I've just... <laughs> See, seen and heard of men asking for just the most ridiculous things in the office like things like like who needs a charcuterie platter like really who who you have free lunch already like why are you asking for 
a, a masseuse to come in the office. It's just like it, it's it's ridiculous what a lot of men in the tech space dream of and, th and ask for it. And if anything, it just like inspires me like, oh, maybe I can ask for something practical if they have this imaginative ass <laughs> demand. So um, no, yeah, it's, it's just very interesting to see how comfortable men are with just asking for whatever they want. Yeah. It's funny to say that I'm not, the last two companies I've been with, um, women have like begged to get tampons in the bathroom, but men get like beer and like charcuterie platters and cheese. And we're like, can we just please get some tampons in the bathroom? That would be amazing. And men are like, what? Why, why do you need that? I'm like, I'll personally buy them. Like, can we please? <laughs> okay, well, how about this? What can men do to be a part of the solution? because we need advocates and allies are yeah. very important in this industry. I feel like that's the general answer to having ally allies just in general. It's it's the fact that if I am, it's just intersectionality in general. I just want to be able to live in a world where I am fighting for and with my Asian coworkers, my black coworkers, um, people who are underrepresented, people with disabilities, LGBT, like it, you just need to fight for each other and recognize that your situation may not be the same as theirs, but they are definitely um, things that we all have to fight through if we are um, marginalized. and. If you are in a position where you are not so marginalized, like if you can just be an ally or I might be privileged in the way some coworkers may not be, I need to use that. I need to use that and fight for people. I am very lucky to have had someone to speak up for me in meetings with the TCM stuff and, and, and essentially get me on TV, which was insane. And, and that person had a lot of privilege to do so. And, um, I, love to be able to use whatever I have to fight for other people too. And I, we just need that. There's, it, we're living in a world where it's no longer, it's a you're in or you're out. There's no, there's no like sitting on the fence with it. You just, you have to do it. I would say be empathetic and be aware. So if you see a room full of men and maybe one or two women and all the men are talking over the women, um, you know, just be like, hey, she has something to say. Um, not that that's the way it should be, but it happens. It happens in the in, in the boardroom sometimes. Um, and be empathetic, you know, like if you notice that, um, again, like calling, you know, saying we want tampons in the bathroom, not having to say, why do you need that? Um, and just understanding that we all, we both go through different things and just, putting yourself in our shoes. So you choose your words incredibly wisely. It's really hard to take back dumb things that you say. Um, and I'd say like the most common thing that I come across in executive meetings and in board meetings is when we're talking about hiring for a new position, inevitably one of my male counterparts will say, well, when we hire him, when he starts, and I always take the opportunity to correct them, and my amazing male coworkers always take the opportunity to correct it too. But I think it's really important that in those moments we don't just let it go and we say, hey, what if it were a woman too? Like, why is it always a him, right? Um, and, and for the men here, like, choose your words right, wisely, right? Like, think not everybody's like you um, and everybody deserves a seat at the table. Like, we're better because we're a diverse group of people. Um, so, so just be aware, right? Okay. And so notes out because we're going to have to ask some real quick questions. Books, blogs, and podcasts. 
what do you have any any recommendations that help your pitching that's help advocate for yourself that's help you get in the right mindset morning devotionals give us up give it all we need the whole thing um i i love the artisan soul by erwin mcmanus it um He's a, he's a pastor at this church in L.A. called Mosaic, and it, you know who he is. <laughs> um, this, this book, I, I would say it's perfect for someone who's maybe not as spiritual. It doesn't really get into that as much. Instead, it's just more about how you are an artist and a craftsman or craftswoman in whatever it is that you're doing, and just um, speaking to the perfection and the art that is whatever it is that is your passion. And it's very, very uplifting. It's really amazing. I highly recommend it. Um, and then, um, you are a badass by Jen. Cicero. Yeah. Like, yeah, you all know that, but yeah, that one's, that one's helped me. I have to very often I've had to be like, you are bright, you're brilliant, you're beautiful. You're bright, you're brilliant, you're beautiful. Got to say that mantra. She wants to know what the first book, the first book. Oh, the artisan soul. Artisan, A R T I S A N. Okay, the artisan soul. Yes, of course. Say, um, I love this book called Grit, um, and it is about how um, passion and perseverance always trumps intelligence, and how you can absolutely do anything if you're passionate about it and you persevere, and it always wins over intelligence. And it's it's very like research backed, and and um, it's just an incredible book of like if if you try and you're passionate about the thing, you can do anything. So I love, um, are you guys familiar with Curlbox? Yes. Okay, so you guys all know my leak. She is like, yeah, shout out to my leak. Um, she is actually so amazing. She is, I credit her for, I mean, I credit myself too for the success of my business, but <laughs> um, it's free advice that her, I think she has like over a hundred podcasts right now. And one day when I was starting my business, I listened from start from like episode one all the way to the current episode. And it's been so helpful to just re-listen to free information about literally how to advocate for yourself as a black woman, how to be comfortable, um, asking for more money, but it's also holding yourself accountable. Like as much as we want these things, do we actually, are we working towards it? Are we working our hardest? Do we actually deserve it at this current moment? So it's, it's a podcast that allows you to just be truthful and be honest with yourself, which is something that we don't really do. Like we can sit down here we can say what we deserve all day long, but are we working hard for it? Um, and I love how I built, how you built this, how I built this, how I built this. I love that one. Um, I'm getting into the books. <laughs> it's my goal, my goal for me. <laughs> yeah. I love NPR's how I built this. I was, I was just gonna say uh, You're a Badass by Jen Sincero. Um, it's just such an amazing book about coming into your own power and realizing the things that are holding you back. Uh, and that was the one book I was gonna swear. I don't have a book, but I have a suggestion. Look to your neighbor, say neighbor. It's not a book, but that's also a person and somebody that can hold you accountable to the things that you need to do. You saw what I did. Come on now. You saw what we were doing here, okay? You saw what I did. No, but seriously, accountability is extremely important. We could we could be a boss in our room like Issa, like, yeah, I'm going to go get it. And then next thing you know, you're actually in the boardroom, and you're in a position where you actually have to fend for yourself. And then you over here, like, you know, you shaking, you sweating a little bit, and you just, you know. But by that point, you need to have your mentor, your sister, your friend to talk to and self or be like, you know, can you just gas me up for two minutes before I go into this meeting? I do that to my friends all the time. So if you don't have a book, by all means, 
have your accountability group as well. You reached the end of another great episode of the She Boss series. Have you listened to the full season yet? Tell us what you think. Connect with us at benchmarkcreativegroup.com. And don't forget to sign up to our newsletter so you can hear all about new episodes, new seasons, or get an opportunity to experience She Boss live and in person. Oh, don't forget to follow us on social at the BCGNYC. Now, that's T H E B C G N Y C. See you later.